Hello, and welcome to this week's Investors Chronicle Personal Finance Podcast. I'm Dave Baxter, the Deputy Personal Finance Editor, and joining me today is David Conlon, who works on the GCP Asset Backs Income Fund. Just to introduce this fund briefly, this is an investment company. Uh, it's involved in direct lending, where the debt is uh, secured against real assets often. As we've discussed before many times in this show, this is an area investors have shown you know, quite a lot of appetite for in recent years for various reasons that I'm uh, I'm sure we'll get into. So, David, thanks very much for, for coming on. I thought it would be quite useful uh, to start off just by going a bit more into uh, into detail about the fund. Um, so, to start off, what kind of investments do you focus on? And when you're looking for kind of holdings in the fund, how do you find them? Yeah, so um, GCP Asset Backed Income is a um, say FTSE listed uh, fund. It's around about a four hundred seventy five mm. million market cap, and um, within that fund, we have around about forty debt investments uh, yeah. currently. When we're looking at you know what we invest in, sort of with, with, with the capital available to the fund, we're really looking at that security and and able to generate a yield because this is ultimately mm. a yield fund. So we're looking at actually locking in secure assets, as, as you sort of said in the beginning. So an asset backed. So a real asset, something that we can we can get hold of um, and, yep. and sell in the extent that, or, or if if there was ever an issue. But we're, so we're really looking at that. We, we want assets that are structural, so there's an actual demand for them. Mm. So there's a reason for that asset being there, whether it be a, a care home, um, uh, boilers in people's houses, a <laughs> uh, gas station. You know, we're actually looking for some structural demand there. So there's actually an ongoing benefit. We're not looking to back businesses or you know the next week digital the next trend you know we're, we're mm. looking to back something structural that way we can be more certain of the cash flows that are coming through on that yeah. and therefore mm-hmm. generating all, all the assets that are generating that yield that we're, we're paying um and and yeah we're, and we're looking you say we're, we're looking sort of for a combination of all of that and and equally it's not just always about the asset but also we're looking for lending to the right people as well so mm. so one thing we say is that it's all well and good you sort of focus on the assets which is which is clearly important but actually who you lend the money to how they've proven that they've actually run those businesses over time and, and generated the yields from yeah. the assets over time is equally as important because you know you can lend to a good person um, and, and get your money back if you lend to a bad person and even <laughs> if you've got sort of a lot of security there you can have lots of issues and and we're very much in the you you know, we we don't want the issues. We want to lend to good people and help them grow against those those structural assets. Yeah, yeah. So kind of solid track records, and yes. I imagine you get into kind of balance sheets and uh, those sort of. Yeah, so um, yeah, the way the way we approach it is very project finance led. So, um, mm. which is very much upfront due diligence. So it sort of takes us say three to six months. Indeed, we've had some transactions that have taken a year to to, to complete. But we're very much looking at um, sort of getting to understand the assets, getting to understand the borrower beforehand, um, and and sort of really delving into to that. We we like to lend into sort of special purpose vehicles. We don't really lend into the businesses. So we like to ring fence the assets, ring mm. fence the contracts pass the risk um, around a bit sort of like the renewable companies do where they have very ring fence you know SPVs that lend against a certain solar farm or wind farm mm, we very yeah. much take that model um, and we believe that also gives us that, that that additional security as well so yeah that that long due diligence track yeah. record ensures yeah. that actually the quality of what comes through is is stronger as well it's a very sort of targeted approach yes um, and uh, you you've already mentioned yield um, that's a 
big kind of factor. I think people are, you know, it's very increasingly scarce nowadays if you look at traditional assets. But in terms of your stated objectives, what specifically are you looking for? What kind of yield do you try and generate? What's your kind of mix of, you know, capital, well, hopefully capital sort of returns versus income, that kind of thing? Yeah, so it's very much an income fund. So the yield we're looking to generate, so we're looking to pay a 6.2p dividend. The, yep. yeah, the, the, the shares are currently tra- trading about 108, so that's sort of just under a 6% um, yield mm. um, that, that that's paying out at the moment. Um, we've been, we're looking to, you know, stated returns, we're looking to grow our dividend every year. So and it, it, the, the trust is now four years old um, and each year we have, have actually grown our dividend. So um, we're looking to do that and we continue to, to look to grow our dividend in the medium to long term. Equally, we're looking to target a return of around about 7 to 8%. Um, or total return of seven to eight percent per annum. Mm, mm. Um, we've generated eight point one percent per annum to date. You know, the yield is the, the the main focus of this fund, but actually there is you know NAV growth. There is the, the, there is the capital growth coming through as well. And our our NAV is at now one hundred two and a half from sort of the ninety eight p that we raised money. And all of that NAV growth has actually come about due to the excess cash that the the fund is generating. Because although we're paying out six point two percent. The average yield across our loan book is 8.1%. So we're generating excess cash each quarter, which is then growing the NAV, which we're then putting back into the business and reinvesting. So, yep, um, yep. so, so yeah, it's, it's all working very efficiently. Can you, um, this isn't something I know, but um, if you need to kind of dip into kind of reserves, that kind of thing, I know some trusts do, some trusts don't. In, yeah, in, in terms of reserves, um, we, we sort of look to uh, deploy all of our cash and really manage our cash mm, flows efficiently. Mm, mm. How we look to manage reserves and ensuring we haven't got a cash drag is we have a revolving credit facility. So we have a £50 million credit line available to us from our uh, from RBS. And what, what we look to do with that is, in effect, we will look to draw down that um, credit facility before we raise any new um, equity. Mm, um, mm. And in effect, that equity will then pay down that facility but equally that facility allows us to balance um, repayments that come back so obviously as a debt fund people will repay us we had four loans uh, fully repay last year we've got a big loan repaying uh, next month Um, so what we do is we look to use those that debt facility to in effect again smooth out the cash balances that that are available so we don't have a huge amount of cash drag which could then Mm, impact on the yield that we can pay pay investors and we've been very efficient with that to date yeah yeah so it's kind of fully invested as possible yeah so mm. at, at present we've used all of our available cash we've actually started drawing down on the, the revolving credit facility mm. um, but equally as I say we've got a big loan paying back next month and then <laughs> we'll in effect pay back the, the revolving credit facility and it becomes very very efficient okay okay um, I guess moving on to another uh, kind of big question it's interesting uh, with real assets and um, kind of investment products that are related in some way to real assets. Um, there's been a, an explosion of different offerings here. Um, just recently you had to, uh, JP Morgan successfully got a uh, got a trust off the ground, raised about 150 million, I think. Inevitably we come to the question, you know, how is this kind of trust differentiating itself from other kind of lending trusts, other trusts with a focus on real assets? Yeah, so I think, you know, a lot of this this sort of boom has, I suppose, been driven by two two instances. The first is sort of the banks retreating into mm. their, their more core markets and, and equally looking to do bigger ticket items. So a number of the sort of the traditional banks now don't want to do sort of five, 10 million pound loans. They'd much rather do sort of 50 million pound plus mm. because that's mm. at the scale that works efficiently for them with their, their cost base. And um, so that's created 
a hole and therefore a lot of trusts or you know alternative lenders p2p lenders have stepped in to try and in effect fill that void and um there's an awful lot of as you say specialist lenders out there so there are a lot of different types of lenders filling sort of different voids whether mm, it's yeah. know, aircraft leasing or um you know sea sea vessel leasing or indeed sort of the mm. more i'd say generalist sort of property or infrastructure backed um trusts like mm. ourselves but you know how how we distinguish ourselves is um you know we are we are a higher debt product so we would say we are yielding around about 8.1% which in a behind interest rate environment uh, does seem a lot but it's not always just about the interest rate that that people pay it's sort of the ability to transact so we've got a very good reputation for transacting um we've got a good although it takes as well that's actually quite quick in in what we do sort of the, the three to six months we've got a good reputation for transacting fairly quickly and efficiently um, and that's the kind of thing that brings back borrowers so we're you know, at Gravis, I think we've we found a bit of a niche is that if you were to Google asset back lending, you wouldn't actually come up with us. So actually most of our mm. inflow and deal flow actually comes through recommendations um, from existing borrowers. So um, recommending us to other people or lawyers, et cetera, that have worked with us in the past. So we actually get a very high quality of deal flow based mm. on the reputation mm. that we've as a, as a house have built up over the past 10 years. And um, say this isn't our only fund. We've got the, the infrastructure debt fund as well. So yeah. we've actually got yeah. a 10 year track record of of lending and actually um say that reputation is actually what really drives the deal flow through to, through to us yeah okay and in terms of you mentioned the um the eight percent yield what sort of range do you have i imagine you have very different kind of rates from different uh kind of um projects um how how wide is that range you know does it yeah so we don't we don't tend to go too 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 wide ranging so we're we're basically between about six percent and nine point five percent is is sort of where we focus and we say it blends down to to the eight percent so generally when we're sort of the nine percent range we're we're sort of providing mezzanine loan um when we're um at the six percent range it's more secured against sort of social um housing etc so so more uh, readily available easy to dispose of to dispose of assets so but we don't tend to we're not looking for high risk items. Mm. We're not looking for loans where you'd looking to be lending 13, 14, 15% against. But that's sort of not the area we're focused on. There's other people who will take that risk. Of. We're very much looking for the range, say that, that 8% range. We feel that's sort of the, the place between equity and cheaper debt and that's where with yeah. the yeah. segment of the market we're we're targeting where we're, we're cheaper than additional equity for the for the borrower or the borrower getting equity mm. for project two or three um, but equally the market's not evolved enough or at a scale where the cheap debt of sort of the, the three four percent for the banks will uh, lend comes in so we're very much in that, that middle ground uh, middle sort of, range and we think yeah. there's value there and that the the risk profile that we've got um across our book doesn't reflect the rates we're getting and mm. very much borne out by the the track record of the trust to date which is which has been very strong yeah it's interesting i was thinking because if you if you look at say your traditional assets if you were going to start talking about eight percent yields that'd probably be quite terrifying wouldn't it you know yep. you look at a bond fund and uh, i mean you can get quite quite juicy yields but it's uh, normally that's a bit of a danger sign um yeah no i think yeah say the the higher up the the sort of yield code you curve you go the clearly the more mm. risk you're taking but you know as i say you know one thing we've really looked to manage is try and take advantage of markets and get into those markets before they become yeah um yield compressed really so we're looking at taking them before they actually become attractive to the um sort of the more wide range of banks and you know it's something we've done very successfully in the past and continue to do i believe um 
but yeah, we we really focus on that that market pre it becoming mm-hmm. low yield as opposed to trying to take risk at the higher end. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, so both specifically about this trust and more generally about kind of if you're an investor looking at uh, these kind of vehicles, um, what issues should they be aware of? Um, what are the kind of main risks? I suppose anything with with credit risk is ultimately trying to predict the the future to, to a degree, <laughs> and you people often get get that wrong very much through the, through history. So, so I think you know if if you, when you're looking at these trusts, it's, it's really important to understand what the under you know the underpinning assets of that that vehicle is, and therefore you know where your money comes back in sort of or down potential downsides cases etc. You know what the coverage is there from the, the from the actual asset against the debt that that's lent, and I think that's the really important thing is understanding that market about how mm. the money comes back and getting yourself comfortable that actually you're taking the right risk and that, that that party is getting the right return for that risk that they're taking. So um, yeah, to me, you know, people like to be diversified in whether that's airlines or property, mm. student accommodation, etc. But it's, it's all about understanding that that asset. So if, if you're a kind of private investor looking at, for example, a, a trust's fact sheet, are there any specific kind of metrics you should be kind of looking out for? Because it's always, I guess you, do, you need to know what, you know, yeah. what exactly you're, you're judging um, it by. Yeah, no. So you know, thing, things I always look for when um, you know I'm sort of comparing us and and competitors. I always think you know, NAV's a very, very easy metric mm. to look at. Um, whether the NAV is going up or down quarterly very much tells you whether that trust is has invested the money that it's got. It's generating the returns because obviously if the NAV yeah. is starting to go down, then actually there is a there is a cash issue and it's and it's paying away its capital. Um, so understanding how that that moves is is, is is fundamental, um, you know, the yield that it's paying out, you know, how, how well covered that is um, in case of mm. projects and indeed sort of the track record, you know, sort of what issues, uh, if any, they've had in the past, how they've resolved those issues, have they have they gone about it the, the right way and, you know, where that trust is trading. You know, I think a lot of people can get drawn by the yield yeah, so, yeah. because obviously a trust that's trading at discount will have a very high yield, mm. but obviously there comes... Um, a further risk with that and then the market has priced that that yield down to that level for a reason so it's sort of you, you do have to be quite cautious so it's that classic discussion of uh you see in the equity space i guess of kind of value traps isn't it you know prices move inversely to the yield and um maybe maybe the yield looks great but perhaps there's a reason yeah it looks that good turning to the i guess more broadly sort of real asset space are there i mean it's it's quite an attractive time for real assets, given that interest rates are so low and um, traditional assets look very pricey in a lot of of places. Are there any particular kind of challenges that you see on the horizon? Well, you know, obviously political uncertainty always will will create Mm. um, challenges. And so you you have to be be very mindful of that. where where we've tried to certainly with this trust is we've we've tried to very heavily diversify how we've invested. So you say we've got a waste facility outside or next to to Heathrow or a care home in Abergavenny, and and the reason we have got that level of diversification is to ensure that actually as challenges come up they don't actually cross contaminate the entirety mm, of yeah. our portfolio. So we think we've got a very diverse um, risk, and there's no beyond being a UK trust and lender via the UK. There is no single um, sort of risk that we feel uh, 
goes across the the entire portfolio. But equally, um, and again, it sort of comes back to, as I said at the beginning, the structural element of what we do. So we're, we're always looking for something that has a purpose um, for being there as well. And and again, we hope that that will sort of move us through sort of any challenges that, that you know, will come up over mm. years. And, um, and I think that's, you know, based on the, the track record, you know, the four-year track record today, you know, we've shown that actually the quality of that, those assets is is very strong. And that's, you know, again, borne out by the fact that the NAV's increased, the different mm. targets have been exceeded every year. Um, so actually that, that portfolio is performing very well. Yeah, it's interesting the whole idea that those those assets are quite durable because like you, you mentioned before, there's a kind of steady demand and even in difficult times, Yep. That can um that can go on. Um you've mentioned a few kind of places you're investing, but I guess it'd be interesting to go a bit deeper into, you know, what kind of sectors are you focusing on? What are your biggest sector weights? Um are there any kind of sectors recently you think have become more attractive? Yeah. Um so our biggest sector weights um at the moment is probably into bridging loans. So these are short term loans mm. to to people who are sort of moving house or doing doing a house up before they move move into it. Um so we we've we've sort of had a, a huge amount of success in, in that sector um historically. Um we've got some sort of interesting areas, things like co living, which is um sort of like student accommodation for, for young professionals. So this is mm. um in effect, you get a small room, but actually access to a wider communal spaces. So swimming pools, gyms, co-working areas, games rooms. Ah. Um, and, and so we've lent to the, 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 the largest provider of that in the, probably in the world actually, but certainly in the UK. And, and we've seen great track record there with all their buildings being sort of 90%, 96% plus occupied, which is pretty much as good as you can get for, for, for that type of building. And they've just opened a new 700 bed one in Canary Wharf, which again, we think is very exciting. So we've seen mm. some sort of real, sort of real property, um, assets like that. But equally, um, you know, one area that we're, we're quite excited about at the moment is, um, compressed natural gas into trucks. So this is a small loan at the moment. We've, we've put about 1.5 million pounds into this company that's got a, a gas station by Leyland. And what happens is people will buy gas trucks. So Waitrose and Royal Mail and mm. the, the, the big customers for the yep. station, they will buy the the gas trucks. Those trucks will, in effect, go over and, and fill up the, the gas instead of diesel. So it's a big replacement of diesel. The truck companies like it because actually it's it's removing diesel fumes from there, and they, they get to say they're greener. Um, but mm. equally, it's a it's a very simple cost plus model. So they just pay a simple cost markup on the on, on the price of the gas. So it's very cash generative, um, and and we sort of in effect funded that as. So the state, we're not taking on the, the construction risk. We we actually fund that as those stations become operational and as the contracts for the trucks start to come through and the profitability starts to show through. So again, you know, we, we've done about 1.5 million into that, but we're expecting to do 20 million into that over the next six months. Mm. And all those stations are being built. They're just being ramped up at the moment. So we're not taking that that initial risk. That initial risk has been taken by EIS investors with their yeah. sort of riskier money and returns. But actually, we we then refinance those out those EIS funds yeah. um, and actually take a stable asset, which is, is cash generative. And then, you know, again, it's, it's a very secure... Um, uh, cash flow, but equally it's at a scale, you know, it's bitty, you know, one and a half million rising to 20 million over six mm. months. That's not something banks would be interested in doing sort of the work on mm. five different stations to get to that level. So therefore we get that higher yield as, as a result of putting in that, that groundwork into. Yeah. Into being earlier on. Yeah. Um, how does that work generally in terms of your position sizes? I mean, is, is it normally a kind of softly, softly approach or. Yeah. So 
Yeah, it, it very much depends. We, we tend to like to do smaller transactions to start with, then get to know the borrower, ensure everything is, is as they say, and they, they perform as we expect, mm. and then move up. So we typically say we don't like to do anything below five million pounds. Um, we mm. sort of like, we think that five to 20 is our is our sort of niche. But equally, if you look at our fact sheet, you'd see that there's probably 10 assets below five million pounds and all of those assets um, are borrowers that we're looking to grow with over time so we don't mind doing a million pound investment with the view that we get to five million pounds plus but but that's that's very much the need sort of be smaller than that you start to enter into the p2p yeah etc yeah. so again it's about it's about finding those balances or um so so yeah that's that's very much where mm. we stick finding your spot your yeah. ideal size i guess looking at the kind of broader um investment opportunity set so kind of what's available out there you know what the attractive kind of things are to get into have you seen that kind of change over time is is there anything you see kind of driving a kind of evolution yeah so i think we always the the, the market's continually evolving so um as i say bridging is probably one of our larger areas but equally that market now is becoming a lot more competitive and there's a lot more yield compression in there so we're doing less of that going forward but we've we've, we've still got the deals we've we've done in the past mm. so um yeah there, there there is always evolution i think ultimately if we do our job right which is finding attractive areas before they become um sort of more mainstream mm, yeah and actually you you kind of expect that that evolution so we're, we're seeing very much um a level of evolution in in the portfolio um but actually we, we sort of lock in those those transactions we put prepayment penalties in uh, sort of non-call periods so actually we, we protect what we do and again yeah, in terms of opportunities going forward we we are seeing you know as, as, as i discussed things like the cng sector you know we've done battery storage which sort of helps balance the grid we are seeing some really interesting um, opportunity sets coming through and sort of newer markets which are proving themselves or mm. you know another small area we've got in the the portfolio is water um, providing water pipes into new housing developments getting very small but with off off what uh, deregulating the water industry we think that could be a an, an interesting sector going forward we've only done around seven hundred thousand pounds to date in that sector but we'd hope that will be sort of up to 10 million over the next the next year as well so there are some really you know interesting opportunities mm. arising do you, I imagine you see a reasonable amount of overlap with um, kind of the, the sustainable space you're increasingly, I imagine, seeing projects focusing on how to do things in a more kind of environmentally friendly way, more future sustainable way. How kind of involved um, do you get in that? Yeah, so we've got we've got a number of investments. So, say the the, the CNG trucks. Mm. Equally, we've got a, a waste facility, which in, in effect takes um, commercial waste and recycles it. So, um, and that's very much just a big sorting facility. So, it, it has a lot of conveyors and lasers um, that will take out the plastics, take out the metals, take out anything mm. value from that waste product, and then turn it into a fuel, which then gets um, uh, taken by Hansen and their, their their cement kilns. So, yeah, that's that's very much a a drive you know like anybody we see that sustainability is actually the way way the world is going and, mm, and going yeah. forward and therefore you need you need to ensure that you're investing along that that path and equally you know we wouldn't invest in things like diesel generators or or items like that because actually that just opens yourselves up to potential regulatory risks down the line we feel so we're very mm. much looking to be at the forefront to ensure that we're actually protected from any changes to regulation that could impact on sort of less um, environmentally friendly um, options mm. okay and looking at the kind of cohorts of direct lending 
trusts. Are there any sort of kind of changes you see coming up there? Anything to be aware of? Any changes in the way that kind of trusts are going to operate, be expected to operate, that sort of thing? There's obviously been a lot of talk as a result of Woodford and and, and his fund, but there's obviously been a lot of talk about the correct structures mm. of, of things yeah. lately. And I think, you know, one of the great things about the trust structure we've got as a lender is actually we, we think it is a very good structure for that. So the, the shareholders get liquidity through being able to trade the, the shares. We've obviously got an illiquid asset that's underpinning that, that, that share. Um, and so that there's that liquidity in there. But equally, we don't suffer from the regulatory burdens that the, the banks suffer from, etc. We We get to do what well, we say we get to do what lenders should do, and that is all our focus is literally on the quality of the asset and the quality of the borrower, and we don't really have to 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 concern ourselves much beyond that. And I think the structure, therefore, is is really efficient and and good for that, whilst also providing liquidity and an illiquid asset for for shareholders. We may well see a bit more demand for that, given the uh, what you mentioned, the whole Woodford uh, Ferrari. Lots of focus on that. That's it for this week's show. Thanks very much, David. Very interesting. But what we haven't discussed this time is uh, there's also lots of interesting material in our latest issue. So do have a look for our feature on smaller funds that can outperform but aren't really being uh, looked into by investors. And also an analysis of how ethical funds are doing against their more mainstream equivalents. You can either look at the magazine or, as always, go to investorschronicle.co.uk. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend.